0: The following broadcast is released under a Creative Commons license.
1: I believe in Jesus Christ. Trust you
0: In the previous episode, part 5 of the Bible verses, He Gets Us, I made the error of assuming that the creators of He Gets Us were finished with their video series campaign to redefine the Jesus of the Bible from God to a social justice warrior. So, I must apologize because I forgot that the basic function of the spirit of Antichrist is an unceasing attack against God, the Bible, and Jesus, who is the focus of redemptive history. Since publishing the last podcast, He Gets Us has created and disseminated three more videos that I am aware of. As a result... I feel indebted by the spirit of apologetics to reopen this discussion and study. Further, since it seems clear that the authors of He Gets Us are intent on using all $100 million to continue their misguided efforts to confuse and mislead the unwary and unregenerate about Jesus, that there is a need for watchmen on the wall and minute men who are willing to use our limited resources to contend against such heretical teachings. Thus, in this episode, and as many episodes as are made necessary by He Gets Us, I will continue asking and discussing questions regarding their media campaign. I will continue to defer to examining their claims against the Bible using proper exegetical and hermeneutical principles, as well as Berean discernment. So let's jump right in and continue the fight. The next video is entitled, Jesus was a Refugee, or simply Refugee. This video is a minute-long video, which if you did not have the title or the source it came from, you would think that the video is produced by those advocating for open borders. Now, by disclaimer, I have absolutely no desire to host a debate regarding open or closed borders the same goes for migration refugees or immigration that is a debate for another platform and another time my problem that I have is that whenever it is convenient that there are those who wish to co-opt God's Word the Bible and in particular the person and life of Jesus to fit some personal agenda or political platform. And the reason is that God, i.e. Jesus, and the Bible are about God's redemptive plan for mankind. They do not exist to further any secular social agendas. To put it bluntly, God's word and God's redemptive plan are more concerned with communicating the truths and realities of reconciling a fallen relationship with God and becoming a citizen of heaven than which side of a finite worldly border my feet happen to be standing on. But let's discuss the actual merits of this video. When we watch the video we are confronted with purposeful stereotyped images of Latinos and Hispanics in various obvious third world situations of severe poverty. During the sad strumming guitar music we are told that there was a family consisting of a mother and father who were poor, but loved one another. We are further told that one day, the country's leader assumed that the family was part of an insurrection, and as a result, the family was forced to flee. The family was forced to hike many miles to search for safety. Based upon the photos and dialogue at this point, If we were to stop the video, we are meant to assume that we are listening to the supposed story of uh, any given quote-unquote refugee who, for whatever reason, crosses a border to another country. Only surprise, it's not. The video continues. We are told that the quote-unquote refugees who are hungry, thirsty, tired, and afraid find safety in, wait for it, Bethlehem. That's right, in case you're wondering, in case you're confused, the pictures showing Hispanics and Latinos are in reality the same story as Joseph, Mary, and Jesus. According to He Gets Us, the two situations are identical and any mentality or ideology which is against refugees anywhere for whatever reason is also an argument against Jesus and the historical safety of his family as quote-unquote refugees. Penalty, too much baloney on the field. That's right. But fortunately, the amount of metric tons of baloney from He Gets Us tips its hand and reveals the reality of who and what is behind the campaign. You see, the argument that Jesus was a quote-unquote refugee, the same as any other person who for whatever reason crosses the border is a quote-unquote refugee, and is the same as Jesus, is in logic what's called an errant analogy argument. The quote-unquote refugee argument goes back many, many years before he gets us ever conceived it. It is an argument from spurious similarity which is put forward by those advocating open border policies in order to purposely conflate the biblical account of what happened with Jesus as a child and the issues of border migration. The goal is to stigmatize those arguing for national sovereignty and rule of law as being synonymous with Herod and his soldiers, while all those who migrate legally or illegally and those who support them are synonymous with Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, or their
1: supporters.
0: But, the important thing to remember is that God's Word and the historical narratives that are there must be examined inside the context of God's Word and not according to any ideological or political agendas which we attempt to force into them. There's a difference between Scripture being descriptive and Scripture being proscriptive. In other words, just because something is recorded as a historical reality does not mean that God is proscribing or recommending that what happened should be normative or that God approved of it. It simply happened Period. Now, to the argument. The video ends with the mid-screen sentence reading, quote, Jesus was a refugee, unquote. But, if we stop sloppy soap opera theatrics and actually examine the claim, It is clear that, in fact, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph were not refugees. Why? Well, for several reasons. First, Herod was only targeting Jesus, whom he believed to be the Messiah. As a result, the only reason Joseph and Mary fled was to spare Jesus. Joseph and Mary were never in any direct danger. Secondly, the reason that the three fled was because Joseph received revelation from God to do so. So they were following the command of God and only later did they learn of the political reason for their needed flight. Thirdly, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus never left their country. Egypt, the place Jesus went to with his family, was not a different country from Bethlehem. Egypt was part of the Roman province, and Bethlehem was a town in Judea, another Roman province. Egypt was annexed to Rome by Caesar Augustus in 30 BC, and continued to be a province of the Roman Empire until 330 AD. Both Egypt and Judea had rulers that were appointed and voted on by the Roman Senate, Consequently, their travel was no different than moving from state to state within the USA, and being a quote-unquote refugee would be an impossibility according to the very definition of the word itself. Fourthly, neither Jesus nor his family moved past or circumvented any locations or facilities where they were required by law to check in at borders. All of their travel and movement was completely legal and there was never any breaking of local law or ordinances. There was never any permission required to enter Egypt. Mary, Joseph, and Jesus were never climbing over fences labeled no trespassing. They were never hiding in trucks or trunks of cars. They never dug uh, any tunnels under borders. In fact, the travel itself would be no different from any travel today where people travel by foot in most civilized areas. Fifthly, Their trip and the stay in Egypt was entirely self-funded and Joseph and Mary were completely responsible to take care of their own supplies and needs. There was never any request or demand or expectation that the government or others should support or take care of them. Sixthly, their relocation to Egypt was temporary, and they all returned to their home location once Herod was dead. Seventhly, the incident was one which was ultimately predicted in prophecy by Hosea some 700 years before Jesus as one of some 300 prophecies given by God to prove the identity of the Messiah as Jesus of Nazareth. So the incident was intended as proof of Jesus' deity, not a litmus test and a blanket excuse for open borders some 2,000 years later. The conclusion is that jesus was not a refugee jesus and his family temporarily relocated from bethlehem to egypt and back again at the command of god's angel they never broke any laws they never disregarded the rules and the sovereignty of another country and they took personal responsibility for their own needs every step of the way. Moreover, if you still insist on calling them quote-unquote refugees, well, the fact is that there were only three of them. Uh, how, How does the isolated case of three people supposedly support the case for tens of thousands per year without end? He gets us knows this. By their own admission, Jesus arrived in safety back again in Bethlehem where they started off. But he gets us presents Bethlehem as if it were a different country, a different continent. Hello, Bethlehem is where they started and where they returned to. Instead, he gets us wants to pretend that we are standing at the border of Egypt or Bethlehem like uh, Ebenezer Scrooge, while Mary, Joseph, and Jesus plead with us to please enter the country with tears in their eyes while they're being denied. Will you please shut up? Well... Perhaps you need additional evidence that the situation of Jesus as a quote-unquote refugee and the current issues of immigration are an incorrect analogy, an example of buffet theology. How so? Well, let's demonstrate. He gets us, and others, make the case that Herod's persecution of Jesus causes Mary, Joseph, and Jesus to be forced to flee Bethlehem to Egypt, which thus qualifies them as quote-unquote refugees in need of safety and asylum. Thus, the situation with the three people supposedly creates the rule that all people everywhere have the unquestioned, unexamined right to safety and asylum, and we should all support that as equally as we do with Jesus and his family. Okay, so if the Bible story and history of Jesus are where we go to create rules and laws where we are all supposed to support and obey said rules without question, then I'm sure that he gets us, and those who observed this rule will support any other biblical rules equally, right? Oh, good, because I have another example with Jesus and his family that I'm sure just as soon as he gets us hears it, they will joyfully and immediately implement it. Here it is in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, and also Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25 we learn that Caesar Augustus issued a decree that everyone should be registered for the census. Further, this Roman census required that everyone had to return to their own city to be registered. As a result, thousands of people, including Joseph, Mary, and Jesus, were required to relocate and to register. As in the case of thousands, the three left Nazareth while Mary was pregnant and traveled a long distance to Bethlehem where they complied with the registration. Now, historically speaking, in order to fulfill all the requirements of the census registration, Joseph and his family would have to provide a brief description of Joseph, the age of his wife, and an inventory of their possessions. The information had to be signed under oath and there were penalties for failing to register or for providing false information to the authorities. So, here is the question. If the first historical situation found in the Bible with Jesus and his family makes Jesus a quote-unquote refugee and provides the example for today, by which anyone and everyone who claims the title, quote-unquote, refugee, is the same as Jesus, and we are supposed to support all immigration and migration of whatever kind, as if it were Jesus, then why is the second historical account of Jesus and his family, and the Roman census registration, not an example which creates the rule today where all refugees, immigrants, and or migrants of any kind comply with the rules of government and identify themselves, their family, and their finances. Why does the historical situation of Jesus and his family and the census not become the rule by which everyone including, he gets us, support today's refugees, immigrants, and or migrants complying with the rules of government, and registering and identifying themselves legally. Further, if they fail to do so, as did Jesus' family, then why do we not accuse them of failing and or denying Jesus' clear example the answer is that as in every case where a fallen man attempts to twist, bend, and reinterpret scripture, they typically do so in order to support those issues which are right in their own eyes. Jesus simply becomes a useful poster boy intended to muster support for whatever agenda man adopts. The goal is to use whatever attachments and loyalties that people feel for Jesus, and by attempting to attach the name of Jesus to their agenda, hope that people's favorable view and or devotion to Jesus will then transfer to a support of whatever issue carries the brand bearing Jesus' name. The merits of the actual product are not important, and we are not supposed to question them. The only issue that matters is is that, supposedly, the issue carries Jesus' name. Therefore, anyone who likes or loves Jesus must support that issue in order to prove their loyalty to Jesus. So, in the end... He gets us his use of the video, quote, The Refugee, unquote, is nothing more than another heretical attempt to use Jesus and his reputation as a secular kabuki mask to rubber stamp all immigration as biblical and all questioning or attempt to legally control the process as being anti-Jesus. The truth is that it is the height of biblical irresponsibility and error to pretend that Jesus' temporary movement from Bethlehem to Egypt and back again has any relation to the issues of migration. The two are separate issues, and any attempt to connect them under the banner of quote-unquote refugee is dishonest and a profane misuse of Jesus as a political tool. Our next video is a 30-second video entitled, quote, That Day, unquote. Now, as a spoiler alert, the video shows various still photographs depicting different people And different situations. The common denominator is that each person seen represents hundreds if not thousands of people who exist and who are making some sort of decision or judgment about something in life. The photographs in the video by example include a police officer responding to a call with his hand on his gun, a public defender admitting that they did not know if their client was guilty or not, a judge who admits he couldn't ignore public opinion, a juror admitting that they got caught up in the emotion of the trial, a witness admitting that they became too scared to testify, a district attorney saying he is expected to be tough on crime, a mother who is convinced that her son was innocent. And finally a woman watching what appears to be the proceeding of a capital punishment execution and recalling quote, I will never forget his final words, unquote. Then a dramatic pause. And continuing to repeat the person's last words as, quote, "Forgive them." Unquote. When we see the video end with the person being executed, showing their hand strapped to a chair positioned identically to the way Jesus' hand was, nailed to the cross, we are really at a loss for what he gets us is thinking.
1: Do you think if I went with you, this wizard would give me some brains?
0: Well, for the sake of he gets us, we all hope so. In the meantime, the explanation which shows up under the video on YouTube states the following. More than just about anyone else, Jesus had reason to harbor resentment and hatred. He was wrongly accused, imprisoned, tortured, and killed. But in his last moments, he didn't speak out against the people involved in his wrongful execution. He had compassion on them. He displayed radical love until the end, forgiving the very people that put him on the cross." Now, As we watch and contemplate the above video with his various images and then compare them to the ending picture of an execution which is clearly equated to Jesus' crucifixion and statement on the cross saying, quote-unquote, forgive them, the video and its contents demand that we ask the question, uh, what did the police officer, the public defender, the judge, the jury, the district attorney, the mother and the woman watching the execution have to do with Jesus saying, quote-unquote, forgive them? Are, Are the creators and authors of He Gets Us trying to reinforce the social justice's activist theory that the American justice system is broken and illegitimate? Is this why we see a picture of various statements by a police officer, a public defender, judge, the juror, a district attorney, a mother, and the woman watching an execution? Are, Are you trying to insinuate that Everyone involved with the investigation, apprehension, prosecution, trial, and punishment of criminal behavior are no different from those who dealt with Jesus' crucifixion? Are are you claiming that the majority of people caught within the wheels of our justice system are victims of the hatred and anger and bigotry and prejudice, resentment and racism? Uh, what about Jesus? Is it accurate to say that he forgave everyone who put him on the cross? I don't think so. But to answer, let's go back to Christianity 101. Romans chapter 3 and other passages make it clear that all have sinned. This means that everyone past, present, and future, are sinners. Second, Jesus came to save and reconcile man to God. Third, only God can reconcile and forgive sin. If someone other than God could do it, we wouldn't need God. Fourth, Jesus is God. If Jesus isn't God, then His death on the cross and His statement to forgive sins was no more effective or significant than any other finite human dying and saying something. Fifth, Jesus' forgiveness of sin is contingent, not universal. In order to receive forgiveness, one must sincerely repent and acknowledge Jesus as God. So, no, Jesus did not and is not forgiving everyone when he said, quote unquote, forgive them. If there was, then there would never be anyone ever who was going to hell. The reason Jesus did not possess resentment or any other sinful emotions is because Jesus is God. God does not ever harbor or possess any virtues which are not 100% perfect. This being said, God does perfectly possess justice, righteousness, and holiness, as well as mercy, grace, and love. So when Jesus stated, quote-unquote, forgive them, He was and is referring to those whom God has elected to be his chosen redeemed, to whom he will demonstrate his mercy, grace, and love in the form of unmerited forgiveness. For those who remain unregenerate, God will ultimately demonstrate his justice, righteousness, and holiness— in the form of casting them into hell due to their rebellion. So both are true. Regarding the sentence at the end of the video, reading, quote, Jesus rejected resentment on the cross, unquote. It appears we are supposed to conclude that the moral of the story is that we should all follow a mere man named Jesus' example and forgive everyone, and never resent anyone. Uh, The problem is that he gets us has forgotten the reality of man's nature. Following finite humans, platitudes, and examples will always fail, because we all have the nature of sin and rebellion. The only cure, For resentment, hatred, and all sin is a relationship with Jesus via faith, where we believe that Jesus is God and that according to His promise, He will give us His indwelling Holy Spirit and power to be transformed. It is only via the new birth that we have a new nature, or we have Christ's nature, to live according to His Spirit. Following finite human examples may marginally help mend earthly mindsets and behaviors which are negative, but imitation of finite humans will NEVER heal the broken relationship, fellowship, and barrier of our sin. Only a God-given discernment via His indwelling Holy Spirit through the imputed righteousness of Jesus who is God, can do this. This is the point of Jesus' life, his statements on the cross, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension to the Father. In light of this, one can only wonder why he gets us, never, ever points to Jesus' deity as God, but instead chooses to dwell on the superficial, finite issues of imitating Jesus, who they never portray as anything other than a great, loving, finite man. This concludes this episode. Now, if you have any questions about God, the Bible, or the Christian faith, I encourage you to send me an email at pastor-yeshua at com. That's PASTOR underscore YES HUA at Yahoo.com. Thank you for listening. Oh, the world
1: falls around me, I rest and know that He has found me. Christ, the rock, is my foundation. I will trust in Him. Trust